Welcome to another episode of Monday, Monday Afternoon, afternoon Theologian. Hey, Brother Rick, how's it going, man? Oh, doing great. Good to see you as always. Good to see you on this Monday afternoon. That was a nice medium range thing there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a good link. Okay, good. Not too much, not too little. Just, just right. right. <laughs> all three bears. Very good. Hey, you know what we get to do today? We get to start a new topic, which is kind of cool. nifty. Because I think we've been hitting some really serious subjects. And I thought it'd be nice to lighten things up a little bit. So we got to chatting after the last episode, which is fun because it has the little mosquito banter in there. If you haven't listened to that one yet, go back there and check it out, folks. <laughs> it's kind of fun. And we thought it would be nice to tackle something around, around the topic of humor, humor in the Bible. So that's where we're headed with this thing. And there are so many things in there we're discovering that I think it was time for us to start a new season. So this is the introduction to season two. That needs a little more. Let's uh, fill that out a little bit. Season two. Yeah, that was better. And it's also going to be a new playlist on YouTube. I think we're going to call it something really creative, like humor in the Bible. <laughs> so that's where we get to go today. Brand new season. A lot of people are surprised to find out that there are things like this in the Bible. There's a lot of humor in the Bible. Not all that humor is easy to recognize, however. Those yeah, you must... might want to put a little context in there as to why that might be. Well, that's a good idea, because you think if it's funny, it's funny, right? Well, maybe to us in our English culture, perhaps. But those who are not English speakers might not uh, really recognize some of the humor, at least not at first glance. We might not get it because it may not translate from the original language very easily. Or perhaps we don't get the joke because we don't understand the culture. So a punchline to them might just sound like, <sighs> but there's a lot of humor in the Bible and it's not just thrown in there for comic relief. There are humorous episodes and stories and punchlines and parables in the Bible on purpose. They are there for a purpose because God creates everything for a purpose. Everything he creates is purposeful, including humor. That's, that's true. I mean, the Bible even tells us that there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. That's right. And laughter is one of our many God-given expressions. And it's not just acceptable to laugh at times. It's the perfect way to express certain emotions. In Psalm 126, the psalmist wrote, after God restored his people, then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. And there are several purposes for humor, especially humor in the Bible. And the first one is, to help someone let down their guard so they might be more open to listening to something important. Uh, I have certainly seen this in action. I remember going to hear this one guy in Phoenix years ago, and I thought, I really don't know this guy very well. I, I hope he's got something decent to share. But as soon as he started opening up, the first couple of things he said caught me off guard. They got me laughing a little bit, and they were self-effacing humor, which lets me know, this guy. He's not taking himself too seriously. I figured, yeah, I'll give him a little chance. I'll, I'll listen to what he has to say. And as it turns out, he was a good communicator. That's what Jesus does for us in a lot of the things in the New Testament. And today we're going to look at the Old Testament and see how that does for us as well. 
What else does humor do for us, though, Rick? What other purposes might humor serve in the Bible? Well, purpose two is humor captures our attention and helps us retain what we're learning. <laughs> Man, I've seen that with my grandkids. It's funny, when you can catch kids off guard a little bit, use a little humor, they do tend to laser beam focus in on you and listen more carefully, and they seem to be able to recall stories that have humor in them. And we have a third purpose. Humor can dial down difficult emotions when we're addressing a tough topic. And I know you have an illustration here because you've used it on occasion before. And it's quite funny, but it was a very serious moment. It was indeed. And you know the illustration I'm talking about. It was the I time do. back about 25 or so years ago when my wife and I were having a <clears throat> discussion. Some people might call it an argument, but we like to refer to it as a discussion because it just sounds nicer. And I was trying to say something like, Honey, because I'm emotionally charged right now, I'm finding it difficult to find the right words to say, and I'm trying to switch gears. I want to make this productive. I want to say really good things about you, but things just aren't coming across very well because my emotions are getting in the way. But what actually came out of my mouth was, as hard as it is for me to say something good about you right now. Ooh, not a good way to phrase that. Yeah, fortunately, my wife must have seen the look on my face after those words came out of my mouth, and she just busted out laughing. So the serotonin and the catecholamine kicked into our systems, and we both lightened up, and we ended up having a really good laugh, and fortunately, because of the good laugh, we had a productive talk. <laughs> and we're still married 25 years later after that, and a total of 43 years this summer, in fact, in just a few weeks. So humor for us has helped us tackle difficult subjects and difficult conversations and ratcheted down the negative emotions enough so that we could become productive. It's one of the factors that has helped us stay together, seriously. Do you remember that old Hebrew proverb? Humor is like spaghetti noodles. It tastes good going down and it sticks to your ribs. Are you sure that's really an old Hebrew saying? I don't know. What do you think? Well... It might be, but I think the reference was to SpaghettiOs. That's what I was missing. Yes, SpaghettiOs. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's one other story that comes to your mind when you think about a ridiculous situation resulting in laughable lessons? Can you think of any? Have you ever seen the movie Shrek? <laughs> oh, yes, I have. But what does that have to do with spaghetti proverbs? Um, well, what's the funniest character in the movie? I see where you're going with this. I can see already. The Talking Donkey. Of course. Donkey was voiced by Eddie Murphy and is one of the most memorable characters, not just in the first one, but the whole series. But Trek isn't the first tale in storydom to have a talking donkey. The, that's a word, storydom? It is now. Okay, I've got you. And I see what you did there with the first tale, too. Donkey, tale, that was pretty good. Okay, I'm going to give you storydom. Let's consider that a word now. And you're right. There was the original Talking Donkey story that started way before DreamWorks was established, as a matter of fact. And you're also right about this being a great example of humor in the Bible. A great example. It's probably one of the most hilarious situations I can think of. And yet, it still is there for purpose. And it contains some great lessons, serious lessons that God has for us. And it shows us some things about God and his character as well. So, 
It's also lengthy enough, I discovered, that we should probably just focus on this one example, this one story about the talking donkey today. I think that's a good idea. Now, there are many more good examples of humor in the Bible. We'll tackle this one today, but we're going to leave the door open so that we might be able to explore some of these other ones in the future. Yeah, like Shrek 2 and Shrek 3 and Shrek 4. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, okay. Well, why don't you give us a little setup so we know what this story is about, and then we can launch into it. Okay, you got it. Now, as I mentioned, this story is about a talking donkey. And here's the background. Let's take a look at some characters. We have Balaam. He is a false prophet. False prophet, Balaam, check. We've got the Moabite king. His name is Balak. Balak, Moabite king, check. Yeah, it's not Belloc like the French archaeologist in Indiana Jones. Balak, <laughs> Moabite king. Right. So are, are you going to do that uh, check thing every time we go through these introductory statements? Check. Okay. Now, we have a bunch of Israelites being led by Moses, and they are headed towards Moab. And Balak is the king there in Moab, right? Sure. <laughs> Funny guy. Okay, continue. Balak, the king, sees the Israelites headed his way. Of course, he panics. He ah. reaches out to another group of people, the Midianites, and he works up a plan to hire the services of Balaam. Balaam, the false prophet, right? Sure. I mean, right. Balaam, who has a reputation for saying what needs to be said, including speaking both blessings and cursings upon people, especially if he's paid enough, mm. Balak, king of Moab, figures he can just pay Balaam to curse Israel. He sends messengers from his group, that's the Moabites, mm -hmm. and his allies, that's the Midianites, along with fees for divination, which is money, and the promise of more money. Okay, so he figures he can just pay him off, fees for divination. He's promising all kinds of wealth if he will say what he wants him to say. And that's when God intervenes in this crazy process. He, meaning God, is going to speak to the pagan prophet, Balaam, or Balaam, and warn him. I don't know how you pronounce that thing. I'm going to have to look it up. Well, we'll say Balaam. Does that sound good? Yeah, that's, that seems to go more easily off the tongue. I think so. So he's warning him not to go with the messengers he is about to meet. He's going to tell him not to curse God's people, Israel, because he, God, has already blessed them. And by itself, this story is already sounding a little strange. Not terribly funny, necessarily, just strange. Not yet, anyway. But what makes it funny is how God is going to intervene at some point in this story. Here's a little more setup, though. As far as Balaam is concerned, Yahweh, the God of Israel, is just another one of the many gods of the nations and doesn't understand that he's dealing with the God of all creation and the God of Israel, a blessed nation. But Balaam doesn't want to get on the bad side of any god, so when the messengers arrive, he refuses to allow them to hire him, and he refuses to go with them just as God had instructed him. But that's not where the story ends. It'd be kind of a lame story if it stopped there. And pretty short, too. Yes, that's true. Fade to black, roll credits. <laughs> so what happens next? 
Well, the Moabite king, Balak, doesn't give up very easily. And he's going to try again. And he sends a bunch more people and a bunch more promises. And they say, here's what I'll do for you if you do my bidding. And they basically try to buy this false prophet off. They really want Balaam to say that bad things are going to happen to Israel. He doesn't even care. They don't even care if it's true. Mm -mm. Yeah. God knows what's going on, though. And he speaks to Balaam a second time. God is persistent that way. He does allow Balaam to go, but on one condition. He says, I'll let you go, but only if you say and do exactly what I tell you to do and say. But something happens along the way after God tells him this. Apparently, God knew what was in Balaam's heart, and he knew that this false prophet was more interested in the money he had promised than he was in doing and saying only that which God would tell him. So when Balaam gets up the next day, God decides to send an angel of the Lord to stand in his way. There's the setup. Cool. Okay, so here comes Balaam riding his donkey toward Moab. God's got his number. He knows what's in his heart. And that is where we pick up the story, which, by the way, in case you're interested, is found in the book of Numbers in the Bible, chapter 22 to be exact. So, Rick, I tell you what, uh, if you would please, why don't you be the narrator today? Okay. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went off with the nobleman from Moab. As he was going, though, God's anger flared. The angel of God stood in the road to block his way. Balaam was riding his donkey, accompanied by his two servants. When the donkey saw the angel blocking the road and brandishing a sword, she veered off the road and into the ditch. Balaam beat the donkey and got her back on the road. But as they were going through a vineyard with a fence on either side, the donkey again saw God's angel blocking the way and veered into the fence, crushing Balaam's foot against that fence. Balaam hit her again. Now God's angel blocked the way yet again in a very narrow passage this time. There was no getting through on the right or the left. Seeing the angel, Balaam's donkey, are you ready for this? Sat down under him. Balaam lost his temper. He beat the donkey with a stick. If that isn't humorous enough, I don't think the beating of the donkey was humorous. (laughs) However, him sitting down in the middle of the road is kind of funny. Yeah. But God gave speech to the donkey. Yes, folks, you heard Rick correctly. God performed a miracle and made it possible for Balaam's donkey to talk. And she said to Balaam, Wait, the donkey's a girl? Yes. How do you know that? It says so in the Bible. It says she. Oh, okay. So she says, What have I ever done to you that you have beat me these three times? And Balaam said, Because you've been playing games with me, you rassa-sassa-frassa donkey. If I had a sword, I would have killed you by now, I yada. And then the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your trusted donkey on whom you've ridden 
for years, right up until now? Have I ever done anything like this to you before? Huh? Have I? And he said, No. Then God helped Balaam see what was really going on. He saw God's angel blocking the way and brandishing a sword. <laughs> Fell to the ground and face in the dirt. God's angel said to him, Why have you beaten your poor donkey these three times? I have come here to block your way because you're getting way ahead of yourself. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she hadn't, I would have killed you by this time, but not the donkey. I would have let her off the hook. Time out a second. Yeah. Know what I notice here? What's that? Well, God opened the donkey's mouth, but he also opened Balaam's eyes. Ah, good point. And you remember at the beginning when you said that humor helps things stick around in your memory? Yeah, like SpaghettiOs, yes. <laughs> right, like SpaghettiOs. Well, this story gets remembered for a long time. In fact, somebody in the New Testament even refers to it quite a bit later in history. Simon Peter writes this, A mute donkey speaking with the voice of a man restrained the madness of the prophet. 2 Peter 2.16. Yeah, so I guess if God can use a talking donkey to accomplish his purposes... <laughs> yeah, he might even be able to use a couple of storytelling goofballs like us. I resemble that remark. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm back in. Right. Back to a summary of what's going on. Right, right, right. <clears throat> so, we've seen God open the donkey's mouth and Balaam's eyes. And when that happens, the donkey is vindicated. And Balaam is humiliated. And it starts to dawn on Balaam just how important this is. The talking donkey. Who is a girl. Yes, who is a girl. And I wish they would have given her a name. <laughs> what do you think they should have named her? I don't know. Maybe Wilhelmina? Well, that could fit. I was thinking Astrid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's a possibility as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking maybe Jenny. Well, you know, like, that is the name for a female donkey. No. Really? Yeah. They're called Jennies. Oh, let me look it up. You don't oh. believe me? Oh, my goodness. Would you look at that? Yeah. Jenny or Jeanette. Is it Jeanette or Jeanette? You like, which one do you like better? I like Astrid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll go with Astrid. Let's continue on. Okay. Yes. Sorry. We're getting off track here. So this nameless donkey saves Balaam's life. I've been through the desert on a donkey with no name. It felt good to be out of the focus. rain. Focus. Focus. Okay. Yeah, I know. Sorry. So this wise, kind donkey, who happens to be a girl, who didn't deserve harsh treatment, saved Balaam's life. If he had continued down the path of his greed, that angel would have killed him. And that is what sets us up for what happens next. So Balaam starts to understand that the angel was helping him out. Helping him out by saving his life. And what does Balaam say to the angel? He says to God's angel, I have sinned. I had no idea you were standing in the road blocking my way. If you don't like what I'm doing, I'll go right back on home. But God's angel said to Balaam, Go ahead and go with them, but only say what I tell you to say, absolutely no other word. 
And so Balaam continued to go. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him in a Moabite town that was on the banks of the Arnon, right on the boundary of his land. And Balak said to Balaam, Didn't I send an urgent message for help? Why didn't you come when I called? Did you think I could not pay you enough or something? And Balaam said back to Balak, Well, here I am now, but I can't tell you just anything. I can speak only the words that God gives me. I can't say anything else. As you can see, there's been a bit of a learning curve for Balaam. He does appear to be getting it, at least for a little while. Yeah, I know. We do see how this is going, and we hope that maybe Balaam is going to have a life-changing experience, a great character arc with the holy God of Israel transforming his heart somehow, and that he will speak only the words that God gives him to say. What? Yeah, unfortunately, when you read further into the story, you find out that Balaam is still enticed by the promise of wealth, and he is a fickle guy. Fickle indeed. Later on, Balaam entices the Israelites into sin and idolatry. You read that in Numbers 31. Not a nice guy. And yet, God sent this angel to try to spare a lot of people from a lot of grief that resulted from these shenanigans. He did. And that's one of the lessons that we get from this crazy story. God may be trying to get our attention in different ways, and he can use anything he wants to help us see what we need to see. But if our hearts aren't open to him, we can still go down the wrong path and wind up hurting a lot of people, including ourselves and so donkeys. And donkeys. So true, so true. Another lesson we get from this talking donkey story has to do with God's will. God's will will always prevail despite the actions of evil people. And this story shows how God continued to fill his promise to bless Israel, even though there were times when they were led astray. Mm. He didn't give up on blessing them, though. He had a plan to bring a remnant, at least a few of those who were left, into the promised land. And he succeeded in that plan. Yep, I can sort of see the same sort of thing happening today, even as it applies to the church. There are a lot of false teachers in this world today. And there are enemies of the church, enemies of God. And we see the attacks from the outside, but sometimes we even see them from the inside of the church itself. But God still plans to save everybody who hears, understands, and responds to the gospel. And he will still lead, and I quote here, a triumphal procession in Christ, from 2 Corinthians 2.14. And he will fulfill his ultimate purposes. We also learn from this story about a talking donkey that not everyone who claims to be speaking for God are actually speaking for God. Some claim to speak for him, but they don't belong to him. Mm -hmm. And finally, we also see that God is a God of miracles. Talking donkeys are not normal. And yet, when God wants to do something unique to accomplish his will, he can do something unique. I mean, he's God, after all. God is a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, from Ephesians 3.20. God is always in control. He's still accomplishing his purposes, and he desires that people will hear the good news about the gospel, his gospel of grace, and that they will trust him with their lives and with their eternal future. Yeah, we can look back on this kind of silly story about a donkey who talks. We look at the purposes that we can see for humor. We can look at the, the purposes that God had for 
Israel, for the Moabites, the Midianites, for all of the characters in the story, including the donkey. And we see that he has a purpose in everything he does. You just talked about the good news of the gospel, the gospel of grace, the gospel for whom he died on the cross. And that's what's really important about everything that we find in the Bible. The humor we can make light of, but it's still a serious book overall. It's nice that we have some little comic relief in there, but it's still a serious story. All the way from Genesis through the creation, the fall, God's plan A has always been to have a redemptive part of the story through uh, Jesus Christ, his one and only son, mm -hmm. who lived a sinless life, who died on the cross, who was buried and was resurrected. And as we've talked about so many times, that is the turning point in history. But then the question comes, what do our, our listeners and our viewers do with that? Well, hopefully what they'll do with that is take it to heart to really understand that Christ's sinless life was to take care of the law so that when he said on the cross, it is finished, it was finished. Mm -hmm. And that all we have to do is accept what he's done for us, believe it in whatever level of faith we have, and confess our sins and say, Lord, I need you. I can't do this on my own. Your redemptive power, your redemptive story is so simple and yet so complete. All I have to do is agree with you that I've missed the mark, that I have sinned somewhere along the line. For some of us, it was probably earlier today. That's all we need to do. Accept what he did, believe it, confess it. And one of the easiest way to do that is just talk to him and tell him that that's what you want to do. A simple process, let me model a prayer, and you can have that eternal life that comes from his saving grace today, in the moment that you believe it. Yeah. So let's model that prayer. Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus, I accept that you finished the whole plan on the cross. Your blood was shed when the soldier pierced your side. That blood covers my sin, and now I can be clothed in your righteousness. All I have to do is agree with you that my sins are not yet forgiven. I give those to you so that I can be clothed in your righteousness. And with what faith I have, I turn my life over to you. I confess I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior, and you are that Savior. And now from today on, I accept you as my Savior and my Lord, and I pray it in your redeeming name. Amen. Amen. And fellow theologians, if you have captured some of the truths from this particular story, and it's particularly from what Rick just talked about, and perhaps if you even prayed that prayer, man, we'd love to hear about it. So feel free and contact us. Give us a word of encouragement, or if you have a question, you can pose a question as well. And you can send that to me personally at ccawthornii at gmail.com or mondayafternoontheologians at gmail.com. If you like to type. If you like to type a lot. <laughs> and uh, I am always amazed at how God can use the weirdest stories in the weirdest places in the Bible to grab somebody's attention and point them to the truth that goes all the way into the New Testament to what you just talked about, the gospel and Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so it may take a talking donkey to grab somebody's attention long <laughs> enough so that they can get pointed in the right direction to the most important story which is a true story, and that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. Amen. 
Great to hang out with you. And fellow theologians, we do hope you'll join us in this new series about humor in the Bible next week on another Monday, Monday afternoon. afternoon. Theologians. 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 Theologians.